0: Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you, I, I now you know I have an old I have an old piece of crap car, and I, I love my Salica. It's a '95 Toyota Salica DX, and it's got only 109,000 miles on it. And I pay $50 a month insurance, so I'm keeping that car forever because there's no problems. But I walked out today because I park on the street because when Joanne moved out, I gave her the parking spot. Because I'm a gentleman, which is a pain in the ass sometimes when you can't find parking. But I had one of these cards, a business card that says, We buy junk cars. And that really pissed me off because I like my car, okay? And the one time, and worse is sometimes, like, guys will just write down, If you want to sell this car. And it just annoys me because, you know, you wouldn't walk up to someone's fat wife and say you know I like fat women it just it irritates me because my car's not junk it's actually nice sure it's got a few little dents but it's 1995 I have a lot of dents you know I've been around longer but I'm just saying people if you're doing that if you see people putting those little pieces of paper or or business card saying about the junk car, tell him, you know, it's insulting, because I don't see the guy. He, he just disappears. Anyway, enough about that. We got a, we got a great guest, too. I saw on, I saw on TV one night, and we're going to talk about his career, and I tweeted him, and he tweeted me back, and of course, like an idiot, I tweeted him during pilot season, which, you know, is impossible to have anyone come in, because everyone gets auditions, and they have like 18 auditions. It's 24 hours a day. But my guest is Lex Medlin. How you doing, Max? I'm Thanks. good, Steve. And
1: I happen to actually... Like plus size women in junk cars. That's okay. my thing.
0: <laughs> now, you no, uh, know me at all. You have the best name, Lex. I mean, is, is that your? God-given yep. name? I am the fourth Lex. Uh,
1: Lex Denny, Lex Mandred, Lex Arthur, Lex Michael. It's me, and then my son is uh, Lex Montgomery. So that, he'll be the fifth Lex.
0: That's just such a, it's like a cool name. It's like one of those <laughs> names growing up. You, you wouldn't mess with a Now,
1: Lex. When I, in Lex. Now, see, in elementary school, I didn't go by Lex because you get teased incessantly, just incessantly. Lex Luther, Lex Luther, and all that kind of stuff. So I actually went by Mike, my middle name, Michael. I went by Mike. I was Mike Medlin all through elementary and middle school. And then in high school... I started thinking, you know, I might pursue this acting thing. And I thought, Lex is actually kind of a cool name. Why don't we just go with that? And so when I moved out here to L.A., I started going by Lex. And I, I had a little weird period of my life where I didn't know what my name was. People would say Mike, and I'd be like, oh, that, that's me. And then or they'd go Lex, and I'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm Lex. And so right. it was a really weird year where I didn't have a name, which is a, a weird thing to have
0: in your life. Uh, but then it settled in, and now I'm Lex. Now, it's but, weird you said... In high school, when you decided you might go into this acting thing, so you knew in high school, when did you actually start getting into acting? Was it at a very young age, or as a kid, or how that happen?
1: Well, I mean, I was the partridge in a pear tree in my first grade elementary play, which was the lead. I was the lead. Yeah, uh, was, but it just,
0: was it a caulking part, or was it a speaking part? Did you make bird noises? The noise? thing I remember about
1: that is right we we practiced for a couple of weeks uh and then right before we went on stage the teacher came up and she was like you have to do it loud you have to do it loud so everybody in the auditorium hears you and first grader me just screamed it
0: okay
1: (sighs) and i could see the teacher just freaking out and i'm like you told me to do it loud i'm doing it loud lady um but that, you know, it was just kind of here and there, and it wasn't until high school I got involved in uh, speech and debate. I don't know if you're familiar with that.
0: You know it's funny? I had a, I had a guest on who was a musician, and he went to high school, and then he went to college, and he was on a debate team and speech team, and it was amazing, because they would do like these tours, these competitions, which I never knew there was like, like, you, like it was big. He told me it was big stuff in some of these colleges where you would travel and stuff like that.
1: That doesn't surprise me, because basically, I mean, debate's debate. That's kind of a lawyer kind of a thing, um, but speech is basically... Basically, you have poetry, uh, prose, uh, drama, comedy, whatever the category is. And you get up, and you take like a comedy of a play, and you do all the characters. So it's kind of neat, because you're doing all the different voices and the different personalities. And you act out a 10-minute section of this play. And that's a buddy of mine was into it. And one day, he was like, hey, run these lines with me. And I was like, okay. And he started to do it. And it was like a life-changing moment where I thought, oh, I think I want to do that. Okay. And, and then I got involved in it and very quickly started having uh, success. And then, uh, in fact, I was at Dobson High in, in Mesa, Arizona. And me and uh, another guy were the first two to go to the nationals, the national tournament, because we won uh, in, in Arizona. And so that
0: was kind of the start of... What's happened and then I came out here to go to the Academy of Dramatic Arts in 89 So you decided when you're gonna high school I'm really gonna pursue this and you were pr- pretty close to LA which helps. I mean Arizona's not that far
1: Yeah, and I, a friend of mine Sarah Sarah Boucher wonderful writer uh, She had already come out to the Academy of Dramatic Arts and auditioned and got in and I'd, i spent one more year in Phoenix uh, Working three jobs trying to save money to come and I came out here auditioned I got in and I saved up. I think I saved up about $1,800 and I came out here with uh, a motorcycle and a box of clothes. That's all I had. And I how, thought, eighteen hundred, I'll this will last me for the next three years or clothes out here on a motorcycle. Uh my that's f- I guess that's confusing. My friend Sarah uh rented a U Haul. Okay. One of those that you can, and so literally she had all of her stuff in it and I put my motorcycle in the middle of the U Haul with my box of clothes and we like at three in the morning. I don't know why we left then, but we left Phoenix while our friends were there and we just kinda said goodbye and came out here and started living <laughs> living the
0: dream phoenix is a cool city i was i was i mean i we, me and my girlfriend went to see i'm a big philadelphia eagles fan mm. and we went to see them the eagles played arizona mm-hmm. and we we said you know what, we're gonna stay in tempe because the, the near the stadium which is in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. anywhere ever flagstaffed the hotels were like so expensive and we said well you know what we'll just stay near the airport where we're flying in mm. no but no 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 we stayed in tem- downtown tempe is like, amazing yeah like we stayed at the uh the high whatever there was a shuttle from our yeah. air from our hotel Anywhere downtown Tempe, went to this cool Irish bar, but it was great because price difference in a hotel. This was like a Hyatt place was like ninety two bucks. All the other places like Crapples down near the stadium were like one hundred eighty. Mm-hmm. But it, it was t- downtown Tempe seemed really cool. Like it seemed very vibrant. There's a lot going on.
1: Well, it's a college town, right? and ASU is a party school. I did right. one semester there, one, and it was a crazy school. Was it fun. an act? Did you go as an actor or uh, kind of a little bit? But this is I kind of knew I was going to head out to L.A., so I, I, I wasn't fully invested there when so, it was going in there so you moved to LA now where, where do you guys live first well the Academy of Dramatic Arts then was in Pasadena okay and I thought that's what LA was but it's not Pasadena's it's own wonderful little kind of spot it's great you but know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's great
0: They said you have to go down the 134 to the 210 or the,
1: the <laughs> what is it the, the, the 110 freeway yeah. the windy crazy yeah. freeway which I'm coming from Phoenix where everything is flat and straight <laughs> like Phoenix is basically if you look at it from above it's a grid it's just a giant grid and here I, I come here and I'm on this windy, I guess that freeway it's the first freeway uh, I know in Southern California designed by a woman and it basically parts of it were a river that okay they somehow rechanneled so the, the road it's a, it's a big freeway but it's a windy windy crazy freeway but yeah that was my impression of, of, of LA and uh, uh, went to the academy for a couple of years Got out of the academy, and I was waiting tables, just like a, a lot of people. And it, Where were you living, though? Did, were you in Pasadena? Yeah,
0: I was in Pasadena. Uh, did, did, did you work at the Cheesecake Factory? No. You know what? I, I worked <laughs> at, back then. I don't know if you remember. How, how long have you been out here? I moved out here in um, 2000. Okay.
1: Well, this is 89. And back then, Old Town, uh, Pasadena, which now is very vibrant. It's beautiful and crazy. Back then, it was literally boarded up. All of the buildings wow. had boards on, uh, you know, wooden boards on them. The only two things in downtown was there was a bar called the Thirty Five, er it was just a dive bar. Where still open. And- where you get the, the can of beer, you buy a beer, and they give you a can, and the Thirty Five, and there was a place called Rose City Diner, and it was a fifties diner, and that was it. There was nothing else down wow. there. And then, but you know, they they still had the parade on January first, and the place would get packed and crazy. But uh, that was it. I was waiting tables there, and it was it was it was a good gig. It kept me kept me afloat because in the beginning I didn't I didn't get a lot of work. It was, it was slow. It took, a, it took a couple of years. Did you
0: ago. get an agent because you came out of the academy? Was that easy for you to get an agent? Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> my career it has been kind of a... It's why they asked me to speak at stuff and I'm really not great at it because my career is kind of unique in that my roommate, uh, my buddy Pat, still my, one of my best friends, he got in. in he, he had a friend who had an agent. And so he got in and he brought me along just to go with him. And while I was there, they were like, well, we were going to sign you. I'm, oh, okay. And then my first... He actually didn't get any auditions right away. And I got one and I got a call back, like my first audition. So they kind of perked up their eyes a little bit. But even then, I still, it was just, I would get like a commercial here, a commercial there, not a lot. Um, and I was going out a little bit, but not a lot, not a lot for TV. And then I had my last day job 20 whatever years ago. I was a runner for a design company. And that meant I would take plans from the company and I would run all over L.A. and drop them off. And they were incredibly gracious about, well, if you have an audition, go to your audition and, you know, just
0: finish running the plan when you're done. It was it was a great job to have as an a b- up and Yeah, hey, I, I Defender did that, too. And it's like a lot of these companies, it's delivery because they go, Oh, hey, you know what? You're out anyway. So what? You stop by. You do the hour. Well, you know what? And they know in their mind they know. You're not going to lie to them then. You're not going to go. Well, no. They're you're going to. They can call us and say, "Oh, you have an audition." Okay, we'll tell them the plans will be then. And I think that's great. I think all companies should be like that because it makes it so much easier for the actor, and it makes you guys not be. Uh, deceiving, like, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I got stuck in traffic on the 405. Right,
1: which anybody who's young and is an actor, what do you think they're doing in the day? They have to right. go to audition. There's no other way around it. So yeah, they were very, well, and they were artistic people. It was a design company, so they were very artsy. Jeremy Railton and Associates, it was called at the time. And He was a wonderful man, and they were very good. And they were very very good about, hey, I just booked this thing, and I have to leave for two weeks on Thursday. And they, were, they would be great. They're like, go. Go shoot it, and when you get back, your job's here. And I did that for a but two years got to know the city. That was the other thing. Cause I had to drive all over the city. So I got to know it really, really, really well. And I was still booking here and there. And then the company, something happened with the company and they basically laid everybody off and I was jobless. And I got to that point. I remember I got to that point where I thought I think I had $400 in my account. And at that point I had a child, my daughter, my first daughter, Sydney, and she didn't live with me. My, my, uh, her mom and I had broken up, but we were all very close still. And I thought, I'm not going to be able to fly her out. They were in Colorado then. And I'm not gonna be able to fly her out. And it was kind of a dark point, and then I can't tell you what happened. Um, I was with an agency, and my agent went to a different agency, which was TGI, now BBR, and he took me with him, and they were a big, big-time big commercial agent, and for some reason, that first month, I booked like three gigs, which wow. had never happened. And because I did that, they all of a sudden took an interest, and this is back a little bit in the golden, not quite the golden age, where there were oh. only three networks, and you could book three spots and make a good middle-class kind of living, but it was still... Auditioning a lot. I remember I remember there were days where I had six and I wow. somehow made all six from the Valley to Santa Monica to Hollywood and and so they took an inter- they started submitting me a ton and I just started booking a ton. And so the commercials really kept me afloat. At this point I've done I shot one last week and it was that was number one
0: hundred and thirty four. Well so that's a lot I mean, you know, that you break it down, I mean most people if they get ten 10- you go, wow, that's really that's, good. Yeah, I mean, you're sort of like you're like you're like a uh, Clint, you know, Clint Culp. Oh yeah, I love Clint. He, Clint he, and I've worked together. He's yeah, great. He books. I mean, he's one of those guys too. There's certain people and, I, and Chip Chinnery. I don't know if you know yeah, him. I know Chip well. well. A lot of these guys, you sit there and and you're like, you guys book so many commercials, and but it's great is you. You book other work, but it's just funny because the commercials, I mean, it's true. Like when you guys, when you hear how many commercials you guys hear, you sit there and go, holy crap. You know, well, that, I, that's, that's amazing. And I wouldn't be here without
1: them because right. they, they literally kept me afloat. And it's funny, you're mentioning all these names. That's the, we see each other all literally every other day. It's like, oh, hey, it's the same I always, Stony Westmore. It's a, this group of guys that were still around. In fact, the other day we were at an audition talking and I've kind of been out of the loop because I was doing a show for the last three and a half years. And we all sat down and we all looked at each other and somebody finally said,
0: Can you believe we're all still here? Well after all these years? It's so funny, I always say that as you know, I do get a lot of character actors and, and you all have your groups. And it's like, you know, it's like you guys all run into each other and it's like I always say it's like the Jets versus the Sharks. You know, it's like you have like Poindexter and Spencer gallery people, and then you and Chinnery and and I guess Clint Colt, and then, you know, there's like Eric Paladino with Cause like the Italian guys, and it's just, it's so cool, and you guys have been, and what, what the, testament, the testament, I guess the word testament, to you, all of you is, you've all stayed here, and you've all worked, and now, I'm, I'm guessing that now, in the beginning, you're probably like, you know, you go for the audition, and you see, like, let's say you see Chip, and he gets the part, and you see him in the commercial, you're like, man... I auditioned for that. I should have got that. Screw him. But, but see, then after like years, you go. All right, at least one of us. At least one the, of us is the getting. The thing
1: it. that happened. And it happened earlier on. The the competition. There's always a little bit because everybody right. wants a gig. But everybody. I think this that whole group. First of all, everybody's good. Everybody's a good actor. Every single one of them. They don't. They know what they're doing. They're right. funny and they're great. And but early on, something. You, you, this group kind of the competition was kind of taken out because some of us we, we knew how arbitrary. It can be if you've ever sat on the other side, it's what I always tell actors when they have me speak at stuff I'm like if you have the opportunity to sit on the other side of the table do it because you will learn so much and We all kind of know that as we're sitting in the waiting room We all know who knows maybe you have a good audition today Maybe you don't for whatever reason, but you know one of us is gonna get it and there's actually a lot of support It's a really good kind of support because my, you know, my, my mother doesn't know what the hell I do. You know, right. She's like, she just sees the end result of me on TV. But this group of guys knows what it's like to try to make enough money to stay afloat with a family in Los Angeles doing this crazy, crazy right. business. So that's, yeah, that's just amazing. So you're getting a lot of commercials. Started getting commercials. And then I'm, I'm still booking stuff. I booked a Friends, you know, and I booked 90210.
0: And well, I love, I love on IMDb, uh, 90210. Uh, do you know what your name, your name is for Frat Big Shot. <laughs> that's, the, that's so good. I looked at it and I was like, you know, it doesn't get, I mean, if it said Chuck, you'd be like, all right, but Frat, frat Big is, Shot is so, oh, it's so great. So so you, you're booking TV and you're, and you're still doing commercials. Now, what were some of your bigger commercials? Um, I don't know. Well, one of them, it wasn't big in terms of, expo-
1: well, the biggest one I ever had, like money and exposure wise, was it was a Geico spot. And this goes to show you why commercials are so arbitrary. Because... The ones that you think are going to be huge and make a lot of money. Like I did one of those where they superimposed John Wayne. And so I was acting with John Wayne. And I'm like, this thing is going to be huge. It's going to make a fortune. Went right on the shelf. Didn't even, never even saw the light of day. And then there's this one I shot. It was a Geico spot. This is 20 years ago. Bruce Hurwit directing. And I'm on the phone and I say, Operator, click call from Bob. We, out of baby, it's a boy. I remember that commercial. Well,. We finished that shoot, and I'd go over to the director, and I'd work with Bruce a couple times, and I'm like, what the hell did we just shoot? And he's like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Flash forward three and a half years later, I wouldn't even go into the numbers, but it made a ton of money, because it was airing Class A on the networks like 500 times every cycle for three, and it just aired and aired and aired. Remember that, yeah. Yeah, and that was, that was the one that kind of got me financially, because I was in trouble, and it kind of helped me to get me back to being afloat again. Uh, but the, one of the best gigs I got It was a spanish bud light campaign and it was me and another guy ingo newhouse a great actor and we become we became friends because of the gig Uh, but we were the two white guys that wanted to be hispanic and it was for spanish television only the production company was in south america so every february for three weeks this happened for for three years in a row they would fly us first class down to buenos Aires and patachi and sao paulo and we would go down and shoot in south america and I'm, i'm a 25 year old kid and even I had the moment, this, this is how you, acting can be good and bad, because I remember we were in Brazil on the edge of a rainforest and uh, by a river, and I'm sitting there going, how, does, how did this happen? <laughs> I'm 25, okay. and I'm at the edge of the rainforest in Brazil. Oh, my God, my life is incredible. But then we had to get in the river. Oh, wow. And uh, I couldn't, that was before I had the LASIK surgery, and the character didn't wear glasses, and I couldn't wear my contacts because we were in the water. So I'd get in the water, I'm basically blind, and I could see things slithering into this river, <laughs> and things are nibbling on my legs and swimming away, and we were in that river for three days. Oh, and that's man. when I was like, acting isn't so fun right. sometimes. <laughs> but that, that was a great gig. And then, uh, yeah, so I just kept doing them and doing them, um, and I got to work with a lot of... That was Flavio Moraes, wonderful Brazilian director. So I got to work with all these great directors, and more importantly, it was the best class I've ever had because... I got so comfortable in front of the camera and uh, And I got to work with all these wonderful directors and writers and whatnot and then I think it was I was 32 I want to say and uh, I'd booked these guests and whatnot, and I booked my first pilot uh, called bad haircut uh, it was the guy. The writer was. He wrote the movie Little Children. I don't know if you're familiar with that movie. Wonderful movie. Okay. Very dark, but really good. He also wrote the book Election. at the movie Election. Oh, yeah, that yeah. Uh, Alexander on... Payne. Uh, no, 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 he, no. He's the director. No,
0: no. The guy who wrote it. Uh, he because he just he. Tom, I want to say it's
1: not Tom. It's Tom. No, but he didn't write the screenplay. He wrote the book that the movie was based.
0: Right. On. Yeah. But because he also he just his book was the series on HBO uh, that's just the uh, yes. uh, the replacement the whatever the hell was it called I can't. The people who came back. the uh, it, Oh, uh, the, the Leftovers. Yeah, he yes. wrote the book. He's from New Jersey, actually. He went yes. to high school with a friend of mine, uh, a, an older college friend he's of a, mine.
1: He's great. He was there. We shot in Vancouver, and he, uh, it, was a, it was a book based on it was based on his book that he had written. It was about the kids, and it was me. I was the dad for this, this family. But it was my first pilot, and it goes to show you Hollywood. I was 32 years old, and my son was 14, and I looked like I was 27. And so when I went to the audition, I'm like, they're not going to cast me. I can't be a 14. Of course they cast me.
0: Okay. Well, you know, it's funny that you say that about Hollywood. I, I, noticed, this, I noticed this at Christmas because I'm like an idiot so with TV. I'm watching all the good times. Remember good times? Oh, yeah. The Christmas shows. And Jimmy Walker, and actually, so I went to my friend, told me one of those Hollywood shows, and there was a cast of good times. So Jimmy Walker's mind. Yeah, Jimmy Walker's like 64, 65 right now. John Amos, who played his father- yeah. Is only 72. So that's saying John Amos was eight. But the best thing is, if Esther Rolle was alive today, she'd be like 90. So that means Esther Rolle was sleeping with John Amos, a man who was eight years old. And it's just, it's Hollywood. You only sit there and you go, Hollywood. Yeah, you go. Only you in go, Hollywood. God, I'm like, they seem close in age. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's, but you don't get, because they look so much different, because Jimmy was a skinny guy. But so, so you get this pilot and your son's. Get the pilot.
1: Uh, and the irony is, to this day, out of all the pilots I've done, I still think it, it might be the best one it was it was really good and of course it didn't even get in the room to be considered
0: now was yes. it a sitcom
1: or was yes it? no it was it was a single cam uh kind of comedy drama okay. it's a half hour uh right. single cam. very good even my people who they don't normally get too excited they were really excited and like i said of course it didn't even get in the room to be considered um and so then i was starting to struggle again and then there was a show called rock me baby and um, it was dan cortez was the lead and uh i basically the character was supposed to be a regular Guest star for the pilot will make you a regular if it gets picked up. Of course they don't. Um, but I got, to do, I got to do about 11 of the 22 episodes. That was my first time I'd had a character that I got to do for a while. Still doing commercials now. Still cutting and pasting all that together. And then finally... Uh, there was a show a sitcom Happy Hour.
0: Well, you were still standing too.
1: Yes, right? I did. I did five, and I got That's to work with uh,
0: Mark Jay- Mark Addy, and Mark and I became became friends with Jamie Gertz. Jamie's a I sweetheart. Mean, you know, I mean, I'm I'm 51, oh, and anyone who's anyone who's you know 45 and up has had a crush on Jamie Gertz oh, forever. I mean, since less than zero. I don't I don't
1: know that. if it's that woman's skin tone or what, but she still was stunning. I mean, just beautiful. Same thing. Less than zero. All those movies.
0: I had a total crush on her. A, a friend of mine, Patrick O'Sullivan, worked on the Neighbors, yeah. and. Uh, she was on it, and he told me, he's like, oh, my God. He's like, "She's uh, she still looks great. She's, she looks and amazing. Yeah. And she's a sweetheart. And she's a mother her. of I don't know how many kids and just a,
1: just a genuine sweet woman. And Mark was... Mark Addy is phenomenal.
0: He would say that, that was a good show. That was one of those shows that was funny. and It was the uh,
1: 88 episodes
0: or something it, like that. It, it did it well. It was good. So, so you did that, and then, so then happy hour comes happy out? Happy hour comes in. I was supposed to be the number two, and for some reason, by the
1: time we got ready to shoot it, I was the number one.
0: Now, what network was this? This was Fox. Okay. Um,
1: and to this day, I'm not really sure why it got picked up, because I, I kind of got the vibe that the network was never really into it that much. But for some reason, it got picked up. We shot all thirteen. I think they only aired four, but we got luckily we got preempted by baseball, so we kept shooting while we were preempted. And so by the time they wanted to cancel us, it was like, well, you've already done twelve, finish it. And the most important thing about that was a, I, I got to be kind of a lead on a on a multicam, which I, well I never knew if I could do or not, and that kind of showed me, yeah, I can do it. I I can handle this this weight, and uh and b the money wise, it just I was like, okay, now we're good for another a year. We have a year, so we're we're fine, and I can go. Did,
0: did you get to go to the world series cuz they always do that with like the, the no. you know how they do that with like yes. the series like you go oh well you go oh this new fox show and you sitting there going the people and the worst is they get are you a baseball fan oh yeah okay. dodgers okay and i'm a phillies and a dodgers fan you're a philly guy yeah but yeah. i uh I always it always pisses you off when you sit there and it's the World Series and you know it's like two people on a TV show that don't give a crap about baseball because you can tell them and Fox just sends them hey they always point out hey there's such and such from the new show that, that and they're, they're they're screaming going oh we scored a point we right, scored right. a point so that I mean that must have been so that show lasted for a year
1: no but briefly thirteen and it was it was done before it even started but it you know it was like I said it was the lead and then the next year. Uh, think things got interesting. I did a pilot called the middle. Now you're familiar with the show the middle that's on the air right now. Well, we shot the exact same pilot. It was me and Ricky Lake. She was the wife and I was the husband with the, the character of kids. Now we get to the point where they're picking up shows. And I remember Ricky calling me at one point like a Friday going looks like we're on the schedule for Fridays at eight. And then the next Tuesday was upfronts, and I wasn't on a plane to New York, so I was like, "Huh?"
0: Explain what upfronts. Oh, are. upfronts
1: is where they basically the network flies out the actors for the shows they're going to pick up and put on the air, and they they present you in front of this room of advertisers, and then you go and you basically sell your soul to all the advertisers. And as Victor Garber told me, I was standing at when I for Happy Hour they flew me out for Un, upfronts, and I was standing next to Victor at the bar, and I said, "Victor, um, this is the first time I'm here. What, what, what do we do?" And he just looked at me, and he went. Just get drunk, Lex. And he just took a second. and I went, I can do that. I can absolutely do that, Mr. Okay, let's do that. Now, did the advertisers give you free stuff at these things? Like, uh, I didn't. I never got anything no, Matt, free. I think you get, like, a gift uh, bag or it's something. It's a trip to New York. Anytime yeah, okay. you can go to New York, I was happy as could be to be there. So, anyway, it didn't – I wasn't going to New York, but then they picked up our option, which is um, – So, you shot – you, you picked you, – you, sh- you shoot the pilot. They, they give you the money for the pilot, and then they have a thing at mid-January where your contract is up, but they'll pay you, again – To hold you basically. Right. And the only reason they do that, they they came out and they said, you're going to be a mid season replacement.
0: And we're like, I'm like, okay, that's fine. Seinfeld, there's a bunch of shows that made it. tons of them. Uh, Yeah. And I was like, fine. And and now that becomes a course of action. Like USA does that where they, well, now it's changed. USA will sit there and go, okay, we'll put this show on now, Major Crimes. we'll divide it up between two. And it's, yeah, they're doing that a lot lately, which is normal. I'm not sure about that. So they're in that mentality. And then the writer's strike. I don't know
1: if you remember, there was the writer's strike. And all of a sudden, everything was getting, hold on, hold on, hold on, we're not making it. And I ran into, I was at the Warner Brothers lot auditioning for something else, and uh, just a guest star on something, and I ran into Peter Roth, who's the president of Warner Brothers Television. Wonderful man. Warner Brothers has been very good to me over the years. And uh, I ran into him and he gave me a big hug, and he went, Lex, your show, that's dead.
0: I was like, oh. oh, really? But you still got the option money.
1: I got the option money, but then it comes, so come next February, all of a sudden, I'm, I see the trade, somebody sends me, the middle is being made. And I'm like, what? And now, I guess Ricky wasn't available anymore, so they cast Patricia Heaton, who was kind of meant for that role. And she's coming off Everyone Loves Raymond. Right. And then, so the first call I get, though, God bless Warner Brothers and the showrunners. They were very gracious. They called me personally and were like, you're too young to be her husband. And I went. Oh, now of course the middle's in what season six? Right. I mean, I'd be in the Palisades at this point, but. But the thing is, how old are you? Uh, I'll be
0: forty-six this coming Monday. See, I don't. I mean, I I don't think Patricia Heaton's not. That. I mean, she's whatever. I that mean, works. Cause Neil Neil Flynn's only forty-nine. I think. Neil's great. It. He's a great guy. <laughs> so so that
1: that that must so be- that actually hit a chord in me, a very rough chord in me. I don't know why, and I literally called my people and I said, I am done waiting around for comedies. Still submit me, but I am done. We need to get into hour long now i want to get into hour longs we, we need we need more options
0: now had you had ever tried to get an hour longs before or did you stay at comedy? yeah i mean I, like i did a charmed
1: and i did you know a, a thing here and there but nothing we were always so focused on comedy because that's where i was getting the most heat and plus the but, commercials. yeah and and at that point i don't know how many i'd done at that point but i was getting a little burnt because uh, commercials are a grind man and even shooting them it's. It, I always tell people it's like there's 27 chiefs and I'm the Indian because everybody wants their take. The ad people, the production right. people, the director. Every so you're doing 27 takes of a one second reaction shot and it can get, it can get a little tiresome. Uh, as opposed to you have a character and you're working on you know when you're doing TV. So I said let's get into let's get into hour long now and to, and to an extent it was almost like I was starting over because I was having to pre-read again and it was and my people were like he was a lead on a sitcom and now come on and but. To everybody, I went in for their credit. I wouldn't even finish the first page, and they're like, "You're great." Okay, so I started kind of making you know, Monk the closer. I kind of started guesting on. And they're good. I mean, you know, they're great. I mean, Tony Shalhoub's a oh, rock star. Oh, oh, hey, he, he's amazing. He is one of, the, and he is one of the most beautiful, sweetest people I have. He actually was a lesson to me, where I remember I taking the note, going, "If I ever get in that position, it doesn't, it does not kill you to just be gracious all the time." What made him just so great? Just he's just, I mean. Just he comes up to me when I was doing it, and we weren't even really in the same storyline, but we, we had one scene that was kind of overlapping, and he just comes up to me, and he grabs my hands, and he just looks me in the eye, and he goes, thank you so much for doing the show, and meanwhile, I'm sitting back going, big night, I'm, you know, I'm going through the list in my head going, you Wings. are a w- he's a genius, the I guy mean, is truly, and then I watched him work. He, it was a scene with a, vacuum, a dustless vacuum cleaner, and he, had, he was in love because, you know, Monk had a, it was a germaphobe. He was in love with this thing. So I just sat and watched him on his knees trying to figure out physically how to show love for this vacuum cleaner. And
0: literally, I was like a kid with popcorn and a Coke just going, just watching the show. It's funny. It's funny about Monk because I didn't watch it a lot, but my girlfriend always watched it. And now when it's on repeats, and also because I always sit there, and there's a thing I do with it because of my show. When I sit there, I always, you know, most of my guests, I, can, I usually can't go a day through TV without seeing someone who's on my show. Sure. And I, it's great now that I go back because it's like, oh my god, there's such a, a monk. And, and it's, sometimes it's like, wow, that was eight years ago or ten years ago. It's just mm-hmm. funny though, but she, I, I started watching it because she watched it and again, she flips it on TV. Oh, well, there's nothing on Let's watch this. And it is it's a really good show well, and he's amazing when Tony. you watch it. Tony's amazing just, yeah you watch and you go damn I mean it's crazy
1: and so then I booked uh, uh, I booked a little recur on the show called Mental not the Mentalist. I ended up doing the mentalist later on but uh, it was a show called Mental and it shot in Bogota Colombia
0: Now, who was in that
1: no 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 big names. Uh, Chris Vance was a lead, great guy, Irish guy. We we did some drinking down in in Bogota.
0: Are you are you a big drinker?
1: Uh, I was. uh, I I enjoy my I enjoy my beer. Now now I just enjoy my red wine. Okay. What what kind of were
0: you a microbrew guy or were you
1: a Bud Light? Just just (laughs) give me a ton of Bud Light and I couldn't be happier. (laughs) Uh, Sports. I like. I'm a sports fanatic. So. Give me give me give me football Sunday and a and a case of beer and I could
0: not be happy. We always have a Super Bowl party and like someone brought a bottle of wine. I'm like, it's the Super Bowl. It's the Super Come Bowl. On, you know no, but now
1: I, I I guess as I've gotten older, I, I love my red wine. Red I great. love my cab, man. Give yeah, me that cab and whatever I, I'm watching.
0: I, I like I like the, the Shiraz. Uh huh. Shiraz. Sure, I like, I like great. the red Zinfandel. I haven't gotten into that yet, but it's I, strong, it's good, but I just uh, I I'll be honest, I'm not a wine snob. I'll drink merlot. merlot I have people I'll like love whatever. merlot, I'm like, "Hey,
1: I don't get I can't drink white wine. It actually makes no. me a little thick." Yeah. But no, it's uh it's too sweet. Yeah, red wine I can I can drink with anything. Yes. Um <laughs> so yeah, so I was down in Bogota, Colombia for a couple of months.
0: And then the thing that kind of Started this next wave was uh, Southland. So how did that? Okay, because Southland is such an interesting story. Because uh, what season were you on? The first
1: I did the pilot, and then the first technically the first two seasons. But it's a little weird because we did the pilot, and then they picked us up for six, kind of like another mid season kind of thing. And then they picked up season two. It, they picked up for thirteen, which you know then you're hoping it's going to be twenty two. But somewhere around episode six, they canceled it. NBC did. And then it moved to TNT. Now, when it moved to TNT, Chris Chulak was a showrunner, great man. And uh, we had talked, and he basically said a bunch of us were going to get written off. We all kind of knew it because it was just too many cast members. And that was another case of the character was supposed to be a regular, but guest star for the pilot will make you a regular if it gets picked up. Right. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't going to, I was like, I'm trying to get into dramas, and this is John Wells' Regina King, Sean Hattesey,
0: Michael Cudlitz—I mean that show, uh, Southland. Which one thing is funny is um, it's one of those shows that police officers <coughs> appreciate. They say I, I worked with them every day. They 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 understand that. that it's a very realistic look, and I started. I don't. I. I'm not. A, I don't know why I'm not a huge cop. I don't know why I wasn't in it first, but then I then I started watching it, and it's just an amazing show. And well, it's character driven. Yeah. It's, it's not a. And, it's, and that's what I love. That's I think that's why I loved it because it's like it, it was just everyone was great. Cutlets was great. Uh, you know the main guy who's now in Gotham. He was oh uh, Ben McKenzie. He was good. phenomenal. They were all excellent. And Richard but here's King the thing was, that. You- because creatively, still to this day, it's
1: one of the best things I've ever been a part of. We didn't we didn't get marks, ever. When you're doing a show, normally, you have a mark on the ground that you have to hit so the camera stays in focus. Never. They were like, start here, end over here with the Watts Towers behind you. And I'd never been a part of any. It was the camera's responsibility. The cameras became another character. And they would have three rolling. Jimmy Murrow was the DP. He was amazing how he caught all the stuff that he would catch. But... You literally didn't, I, it was the first thing I've ever been a part of where you never had to think about the camera. Okay. It was literally just, a, and then you're working with all these great actors. And then I remember the pilot, Wells got John Wells got up and he said, so here's what's going to happen. I think it was Wells, maybe it was Dulac, but he said, base camp is in Chinatown. We're going to get on a bus. We're going to go into the city, whether it's Compton, South Central, we're going to go into these places. You're going to get in character on the bus. We're going to get off the bus. We are going to shoot, 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 shoot. We're going to get our asses back on the bus and get back and get out of there. And as an actor, I mean, come on. It was like it was like guerrilla warfare, you know what I mean? Right. On this bus, it was so funny. I can remember we'd get on this bus, and everybody would be driving, and about halfway to wherever we were going, it would get quiet, and everybody would just kind of get into character, and then we would get off wherever we were. And shoot, 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 and then jump back on the bus and get back to uh, to Chinatown.
0: So that that started getting you your swing into. Uh...
1: Well, it's typical this town. For whatever reason, it was easy for my people. Anytime they wanted to pitch me to go, well, he was on Southland, and people went, "Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, he can come in for it." Whereas before, they had to kind of fight to get me uh, in the room, so and, to speak. And you got to do CSI. Yeah, CSI is funny. That was the fourth time I'd been in. Carol Kritzer casting Larry Poindexter's wife. Uh, who's she's now one of my favorite human beings in the entire world because she's gotten me so much work um, But she brought she brought me in and the two I had been in before were big meaty roles real big meaty roles and uh, I, I had pins in me for both. I was they were I was being considered for both and it didn't happen And so this fourth one I went in for
0: it was a it's smaller a CSI Yeah,
1: it's a CSI, but it was a, it was a real small part like I even called my people I'm like I, is it a guest star because I don't, I don't need to do a co-star at this point is it They're like, no, no, they're gonna pay a guest star. I went okay My wife and I remember my wife was like, no, 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 you're not going to go in. You're going to wait for a big meaty one again. And I said, no, I'm going to go in because I want to book it so that I don't have to audition for CSI anymore. I'm done going into that room. I just want to book it so I can clear it off my little list. Long story short, the character ends up recurring. I come back for the finale, got to work with Bill Irwin, this amazing actor. um, And my wife, to her credit, I remember I got home when. I said, hey, they're going to bring me back. And she went, don't ever listen to anything I say ever That's again. funny. <laughs> All right, honey. So, yeah, I got to recur on that for two. Um, you just saw The Criminal Minds. But anyway, yeah, I was going through the dramas. To at that point, I'm doing dramas, comedies, and commercials.
0: Yeah, I saw you did. It's in Always Sunny in Philly. Oh,
1: those are good. I yeah. did that while I was shooting Southland. And I got to tell you, those guys worked me harder in the two days I was on that set than the entire time I was on Southland.
0: You know what's funny? And I know you know this guy. And I can't. His name is slipping my mind. He was played Larry Ponderosa, recurring on "It's Always Sunny in Philly." He's on the comeback, uh, Lance Lance Barber. No, yes, I worked no, with Lance okay. on uh, on crazy ones. Okay, yeah, no, that's what so I was just thinking. You know, because I just a uh, B- uh, big guy, Lance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, no, out I of thinking, Chicago because he was talking about uh, "It's Always Sunny in Philly," and he just said it was a blast. Well, uh, it was amazing because the, the, it's the guys' show. The three guys, it's their show.
1: And so when, if you're working with one of them the scene, the other two are in video village watching footage to kind of help direct And to this day, it's one of my favorite directions. Charlie who's exploding right now. Uh, oh, he's great Charlie. He, he's guy. great and we get ready to do this finale and basically in, in the in, the, in the, the finale part of this episode I'm I'm an assistant director. And I'm losing it on the female character. I forgot her name I want to say Caitlin, yeah. but I'm just I'm supposed to be just losing it on her just yelling at her and losing it We do a take and uh, and they were all big Southland fans, too, which was nice at the time. I think it's probably why I got the gig. And uh, Charlie comes out of Video Village, and he's like, Lex, it's great. It's great. Now, do it again, but do it like you do Southland. And I went, okay. I know what you're talking about. We do it again, and I do it in more of a Southland mode. Charlie comes out of Video Village, and he goes, it's my favorite direction. He comes out, and he goes, great, great. Now, do it like you do Southland, but scream every line. And I kind of laugh, and I realize, oh, you're, you're serious. You right. want me to <laughs> scream every line in a Southland mode? Okay, and I did it. I actually blew my voice out, and he came out, and he was like, and then I saw the end, and I went, yeah, those guys know what they're doing. They're really funny, and this little thing that they've made is, is brilliant for, for a reason. And that's funny, because my career, I basically have little cult followings, and that's one of them, Sonny. The other one, I, I was Cupid on Supernatural, which I had never even heard about before I did it.
0: Okay, let me tell you something about Supernatural. Okay. Jim Beaver, great actor, yeah. was on. And he was in Supernatural for five years in Deadwood. He has uh, six hundred and seventy five thousand Twitter followers. <laughs> okay, he retweeted that he was going to be on my show, and I had about eight hundred likes. Wow. Like, just I'm sitting there and my thing keeps popping. So, 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 and I'm like, holy! I mean, yeah, that show has such. A, and Kurt uh, Kurt Fuller was on last yeah. week, Was on Supernatural. So you were. What was your? I had never heard of it. Had never heard of it. Again, I was doing Southland at the time, but the, I was kind of getting jerked
1: around a little bit. Like the, I wasn't sure if I was going to be on it anymore or what. And so I was getting. I was getting upset. Like I want to work. I want to work. And so it was Cupid, the role of Cupid. The, the breakdown was. Uh, obese albino and I booked it, but you're not obese. Well, I was heavy then But no even the guys when I got there they're like we thought you'd be bigger and I went you yeah, know, whatever did, did you lose weight? Uh, I've been o- uh, off and on yeah, okay. I, I, I fluctuate depending on the job and whatnot, but uh, yeah But I'm talking butt naked in Vancouver in January. I mean not good. I was a walking Ken doll It was everything was just shriveled up and uh, yeah, it was but the guys were amazing And I remember I was driving in with I think his name was Micah It's one of the guys and Micah and I were talking and he goes he goes, well, I actually do pretty well with the appearances. And I went, the what? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah. They fly me all over for these uh, conventions because this thing has a huge following. And I went, oh, what did I just sign up for? And the funny moment I remember was my wife had been kind of tooling around. She's like, you know what? You should, you should make a fan page at this point. You've got enough things going. You've got people. And I was always like, nah, just, nah, nah I'm not going to do it. Supernatural airs. And I had a barrage of French women. I mean, just got bombarded apparently french women love large pasty men i'm not kidding (laughs) and i remember i walked in the day after i walked into my living room and my wife was on the computer and she'd seen all these french women coming after me and she just looked at me and she went you're making a fan page and so so we just redirected everything to there but uh, you
0: know it's funny because you're looking at your career you've worked in some really i mean you you got to work in hot in cleveland yeah with with betty i mean i mean okay it it doesn't i mean betty white is you know i I didn't know this I, i heard this on good day la and uh, back in the day, she had a daytime TV show out here where she, where she was like like a talk show or a news show. But she would do like three hours by herself. I mean, her, her career has been amazing. She's 89 years old. First of all,
1: we were sitting there. and We had this moment. We're at, we're at the bar. I was playing. Doris Roberts was also in it, the mother from Raymond. And I was playing her son, but I was the love child of Betty White's ex-husband something happened one night and I became I came out of the equation so I'm sitting at the bar and Betty's holding my hands 89 years old and first of all I, I take the second to go I'm sitting here holding hands with Betty White oh my god right we do we run the scene and this is I think on tape night I don't, anyway we run it and Betty goes hang on the director comes over like it's great we can move on and Betty went hang on let's do it again and she makes one teeny little adjustment somewhere in the middle and the scene was 10 times funnier and I just looked at her like how the hell at 89 are you this way? And then we're talking, and I'm like, what are you doing this weekend? Thinking, you're 89. You deserve to relax and do it. And she goes, well, I've got to do my book on tape all day Saturday. And then so,
0: she, the woman just doesn't stop working. I think that's something like that. If she She's did, an she go crazy. Though.
1: She's an anomaly. Oh, yeah. She's amazing. Because poor Doris was there, and Doris is like a regular woman in her 70s. And you know what I mean? Just trying to you know get
0: through get through the day and B- betty is like nothing about it, it is so. amazing i mean you said a friend of mine worked on a he directed a commercial with her and he said she just just sat there was a, a shopper image thing and she just sat there and camera came on she just nailed it and then he made some joke and then he said something off color and she just stood with her innocent thing and brought something back that almost made him drop on the floor it was so damn funny
1: i've never seen anything like it and, it's again, amazing. and again it was in a, in a moment after when i finished taping where i was like remember that one remember you got to work with her you know, on, the, on the bad days now you got to do the crazy ones <sighs> to this day still one of my favorite memories because um, the moment i had was i remember that week I, I was busy for some reason so it wasn't until i was driving to the fox lot and I thought, oh, my God, I'm, I'm working with Robin Williams today. Right. This is a guy who is one of the reasons I got into the business, kind of. He's one of the inspirations that kept me going in my early 20s. Night at the Met, all that stuff just inspired the hell out of me. And so we get there, and we're getting ready to do the first scene. And I've got Lance Barber. I've got Lance on my left. He's at a Second City in Chicago improv group. I've got Brad Garrett, who's recurring on the show at the time, in front of me. And i got Robin in front of me to the left. And I'm looking at these guys going, I'm going to get eaten alive here. (laughs) I'm not going to survive this day. Then something happened. We finished the the first take, and I improvised some line. And Robin falls on the floor laughing. And both Lance and Brad both actually physically kind of step back. And from that moment on, Robin and I spent the whole day basically looking at each other like we would finish a take, and we would look at each other like, is that funny? Do you think it's funny? Nah, it's not funny. Let's do it again. Or, yeah, that's funny. That's funny. And 14 hours of just improvising. Wow. with robin and then in between we would sit in a circle in the cast chairs he was so open about his life we didn't have to ask he would just or if you did he was brutally honest he was talking stuff about shooting popeye that is insane how they were smuggling coke and onto malt i mean just while they're doing a kids movie i mean he was so open and so sweet just one of the kindest people i've ever met it reminded me of tony shalhoub that same thing and then so, open, so great working with. He was so generous and so supportive. And yeah, and as I, I remember, we wrapped, and Lance and I were kind of sitting there talking to each other afterwards, like, I can't believe we just work with Robin all day. Right. And then he drove by in his car, and he waved. And I, I, I took the moment. I looked out over the Fox lot, and I was just like, I posted it on my page. I was like, it's, that's a good actor day. i got to remember those days because it's always such a struggle trying to make a living but it's like i got to i got to work so with robin it. yeah and then when he when he passed it it, it really
0: well it, it was funny i actually oh. i went to his um the one comedy store memorial and people spoke and it was just all the amazing the stories that he told and you know there's a comic named alan stevens Stephen, who's so funny a lot of people don't know his name but he's amazing and he knew robin and he just told some stories that you sat there about how they're up gonna go do drugs at Stephen Still's house Mm -hmm. and and how Stephen Still's mother actually thought Robin was an alien just this stuff and then everyone just came up and it was just cool you know it was but uh, to a T did not everyone say what it's sweet oh everyone said like the sweetest nicest human being there is people ever meet someone came up and said he paid for my rehab three times He did this, you know, and it was just, it was amazing. I know people who known him, and it's everyone same thing. They always just said he was so nice, and they said he was just giving. I mean, but they all said the same thing. Once, first time he walked on the stage, you knew he just brought this energy, and that's what everyone said. Yeah, presence, he has a presence and, about him. That you and everyone just, said, but like you said, everyone said, you know, people who aren't in the business will sit there and they think, oh, he's always on, he's always on. No, but he's when he works with someone, he's so good at improv that he. Let I mean the whole thing of improv is that you let someone say shine yes. say yes, and he does that and that's what I heard. Especially I think as he got older because they would tell stories about him and Rick Overton doing improv at these shows and just you, you would just sit there and go holy crap
1: Yeah, and I don't know if it was the the, the, the depression or the I, I heard he had Parkinson's and I don't know if it was I can't imagine being him and having this history of who he was his identity of all that energy And kind of looking at the future going that's gonna be gone I, I can't imagine what
0: he was, what he was going well, through. Well, I think also it we went, went after the open-heart surgery, because they do say that after open-heart surgery, you go through depression. Massive depression. And if you already have depression, and if you add that, it's I mean... even worse. It, yeah, yeah. So because it's
1: let like, me tell you, his wa- you know, he was kind of newly married, and his wife came to set. He looked like a 14-year-old boy in love. He was bouncing around. They were so in love. It actually it just inspired me how sweet and in love they were. So I, I really felt for her, too. But I always tell people, this business... It can make it it can make it a little crazy, and as I've gotten older, I've seen I've had these moments. Especially, I was just doing a show for three and a half years, and I would go out to Georgia to shoot it, and I'd be in a one bedroom apartment by myself, away from the family. And your brain can start now. Here's the thing, because your brain can start to go to some pretty crazy places. Now the problem is creatively, I was actually digging it. I actually felt like you know what I'm doing some really good work right now in this crazy mode. But there's a little thing where I would sit there sometimes and go, okay, there's a little line that I can see here where. If I cross that, things could get a little dicey in oh, yeah. terms of my own mental health and whatnot. And it's a little dance. It's why I always tell people, like when I hear Philip Seymour Hoffman killed himself, I'm always there's always it's always shock. Like what? He's so young. But I'm, then I'm like, I'm not surprised it's because you have to push yourself so hard in, into all these aspects of your
0: personality that like it. People go a little. I mean, they say actors are crazy. And, they and, kind of are. And it's also just, as you said, being in a hotel room. I did mean, stand up comedy on the road for like seven years. Yeah, you know what, then. And people sit there, and go, "Oh, that must be fun." You only work half. Yeah, but you know, if you're sitting there in a hotel room by yourself, you know it gets boring. You know, especially you know I was younger, and I sit there, and go, "Well, you know, you get done a show and you have that high from being on the show, sure. and it's like." booze is free. Well, am I going to sit at the bar and drink? Am I going to go home? And when I was on the road, there was crap on TV. There wasn't Netflix. And so, yeah, so it's just the way it is. But uh, but it's good you got to work with them. That must oh, be yeah, interesting. That's one of those things that you sit there and you go, wow. You know, and, and anything, you know, you know, as you say, it's a struggle or this and that. But, you know, you, you can say you work with Betty White and Robin Williams. Yeah. and, 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 and It's just amazing because they're both. I mean, they're com- they're not like... Well, they're, they're comedians they're, they're iconic they're comedy legends I absolutely mean, like, like when robin williams it's so funny when robin williams passed and i have a lot of friends on facebook who are comedians and stuff like that and actors everyone no some, one pass me your water i don't have any hearty oh, left yeah. All right. keep going i'm sorry you, I, have, I have a mint
1: yeah that's good
0: um but they uh when they passed the whole the wall like lit up with the rips you know and that's when and betty white passes the whole wall is gonna light up, and it's like when Nemo passed, Leonard Nemo, he wasn't Ugh. clean. But the thing is, I was in Florida, and someone t- I was a few weeks ago, I was I was taking a walk, and my buddy texted me, and I was like "Wow, but there's certain things that people, if they pass, you sit there and they go." Wow. I mean, because sometimes people make really stupid-ass jokes on Facebook when yeah, people yeah, pass, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I hate because most of them are untalented, oh, hack tr- comics. horrible, whatever. Yeah, but, but when these people pass, like, no one said anything, and that's just, but you've gotten to get work with them. So now I want to talk to you about Drop Dead D. Yeah. Now, that's, uh, how did that show about, come about? It's very interesting that... Because um, that was a huge, that got a huge following, again, too.
1: another cult following, which I, I really, I'd heard about it, but I didn't realize how much, I mean, it's, it's got a following, and they're very, very passionate. And the whole thing is about Brooke Elliott, the, the, the lead gal. She, Her and I are very good, very good friends now. And she is an amazing actor. I mean, just amazing. And she made that role. She made that that show. But basically, I'd been in a couple times. Carol Kritzer's casting again. And actually, ironically, about three months before the audition for the part of Owen that I ended up getting, I, I'd gone in for it and tanked it to the point of, like, the worst tank audition I've had in a decade.
0: So you knew it. When you walked out, you went, oh man. I'll I just...
1: called my manager and I said, I'm not being dramatic. I seriously think I want to quit because I don't think I deserve to be in this business. How
0: did you tag it? What was so bad about it?
1: I was under the weather a little bit. I start, it was a prosecutor role, so there was a lot, of legal, a lot of legal copy. And um, I started it, had to stop. Can I start over? Sure, sure. Of course, Lex. Started it, had to stop. Wow. Couldn't get out. Then I, I basically ended up reading it off the page. It was horrible. Now, to, to Carol's Credit, she doesn't even remember it, she says anyway. So she, all of a sudden I get this audition for this part of Owen. It's supposed to be a four-episode arc, the love interest for the lead. Now the show, fans of the show know that the lead, it's, a, it's all about a model who dies and goes into a plus-size woman's body. But the model's boyfriend, it's all about the love relationship of this, of the, this her and a plus-size woman's body. She's not allowed to tell her uh, ex-boyfriend that who she is. And so it's all about trying to make her, him fall in love with her in this this new body, right? Because that's who she is. And that's, that's the crux is. of the show. So they would bring in these love interests, you know, just for drama purposes. So I was looking at it going, all right, this little four-episode, they're going to bring in somebody. Now, here's the thing. The breakdown is uh, a 30-year-old uh, ex-surfer. And hey, I just, you. at
0: this point, I'm 40 and You're massively overweight. I just played a, a pasty. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> but I'm sitting there going, I'm not getting this. And... The audition was on a Thursday at about three in the afternoon. That was the same day that my wife had had her C-section on Monday, and we were bringing—I was bringing her and my new son home okay. from the hospital. I don't know if you have kids. I don't. But okay, I, uh... that week is exhausting. You're in the hospital the I whole week. I can imagine. So literally, my wife, bless her, she's an actor. She reads all lines with me on my parts. I remember being at the hospital, her in her hospital bed reading these lines. And it was eight pages. It was a judge role of a lot of legal. California Civil Code section 2.03, People versus Harris, affirms a judge's right to question the litigants. I mean, just crazy-ass legal. And I remember thinking about 11... I went, it wasn't going well, and I went, I'm not going in. I'm at, I'm at the point in my career where I won't go in and do a bad job. It doesn't serve any purpose. I'm not going in this room and doing a bad job. And then we got home, and I ran it one time out in the office, and it was good. It wasn't great, but I was like, it's good. Went into the house. My mother-in-law was staying with I said, just take care of the family take care of the boy, you know, just take care. I'll be back in an hour and a half. Let me just go audition this thing. I go in and it's typical of the case. If you talk to actors, uh, when you don't want the job, it's the cliche, but when you don't want it, you usually end up getting it. And I I went to that room, borderline belligerent because I was tired and I'm like 30 year old ex surfer. And I, I think I even said, I walked in the room and I was like, let me show you an adult take on this character. Okay. And I did it and it went well, very, very well. But then the way I, I survived this is the minute I leave the room, it's out of my head. I forget about it. Throw the sides away. I literally forget the lines, and it's like, give me the next one. What's the next one? And then whoever decides to hire, that's where I'm going. Um, went home, and then the next morning at 1030 in the morning, my manager calls me, and he says, so look, the lighting was bad in the room. You need to go back, and you need to be there by noon to run it again for the show creator in his office. And, of course, my initial response was, no, F you, no, not doing it. I hung up and luckily my people know me enough where ten minutes later I called and went, Yeah, I'll go in. All right, just give me a second. So I ran down, get it and and somehow I it went really, really, really well again. And then the next thing I know, I get the call and I had to walk into my poor wife and say, Hey, so I know we have a ten day old and a three year old. I have to go to Georgia for two months. I hope that's okay. And she cried and then went, Go, get on the plane and go. So I went and then uh, basically it worked up to the finale and I've been doing this long enough to know it takes one line to write a character off a show. Even characters you think are integral to the I've seen it happen where one sentence and the character's just gone. So I was kind of I got the finale and I was of season three and I'm looking at it going alright how are they going to write me off? And in the beginning they made me into a sailor instead of a surfer because I guess large guys don't surf whatever. Um, and there's a scene at the beginning of, of, the, of the finale of three and it's me and Jane the character talking and she says and I say, Oh, the, the America's Cup wants me. I'm going off to New Zealand to go sail around the world for a year. And I'm like, oh, that's how they're going to write me off. Okay. So then I keep reading it because <coughs> I want to see. At this point, I'm invested. I'm like, what right. happens? <laughs> the show builds up to her leaving to go to Rome. She's going to give up everything and go to Rome. It's her right because she's into fashion and she wants to go do it. And she's on the plane. And the meanwhile, the whole time this is going on, something happens with the Grayson character, her love, racing to the airport to try to catch her, right? And then... You see the shot of Jane sitting on the in the, the in the in the plane, and you hear a voice say, "Is this seat taken?" And the camera flips around, and it was Owen, my character. And I'm reading this in this hotel, in Peachtree going, "Oh, it's not Grace, and it's Owen." And I finish it, and I put it down, and then I realize, "Holy! I'm Owen! What is th- what does this mean?" And I call my manager, and I'm like. So I don't know if this means I'm coming back or what's going on here with this. And I call my wife and I'm like, I might be coming back to Georgia. Sorry. Um, And then about two months later, they started the ones that are about six weeks later, the ones that I started doing aired. And there was this huge positive response to the character. It was kind of the first time in the show that people actually started saying, well, maybe Jane should end up with this guy and not the other guy. And that really hadn't really happened up to that point. So there was a rap party up at Josh Berman, the creator's house, and he was gonna, it was in the night that the finale was going to air. And he invited me up, and I got up, and when I got to the party, he took me aside and he said, you know, we want to make a deal with you. And I was like, all right, call my people. And so they started negotiating, and uh, four months later, I was on a plane living in uh, Georgia for five and a half months. And then the show got canceled after season four. I went into pilot season, which did not go well, and then six weeks after it was canceled, it got uncancelled. And we went back to Georgia for two more seasons,
0: which is kind of not unprecedented, but it's pretty rare. What's it like? I mean, I mean, having, I mean, when you move, you have to go away for five and a half months. Is that is that hard on you? Just because you have a family and do, well, you, do you come back and see them? Or
1: luckily, luckily, it's two thousand and fifteen. Skype is amazing. Right. So literally, we would set the cam, we would set the computer up. Uh, I had the dinner table every night, so I kind of got to have dinner with them, okay. so I could kind of stay in their lives. The first season I went out, I had some plane tickets in my contract one out. so I, I flew back a decent amount, and I was only 10 to 13 in that, and they put all three of them uh, together, the ones okay. that I wasn't in, so I actually got to come home in the middle of it for like a month and a half, and then the first season, my family did come out, and then my wife was like, we're not doing that anymore, one bedroom apartment with two kids in a net, we're not, we're not doing that. Uh, and then season five, I didn't come back very much at all. And then season six, I only came back twice, both times to do press, so I wasn't even really around. But at that point we'd kind of gotten into the the you know the, the rhythm of of how this thing worked. But to my like my wife would say, she would try to because when I'm home, I'm very I'm up at six thirty. Who am I taking where? Okay, I'm taking her to softball. I'm doing you know, I'm very much involved in the day to day of raising the kids and all that kind of stuff. But then when I was gone, she had to do it on her own. And then I would come back home, and she's like, "What? Are you, no, no!" I would kind of screw everything up. Cause you're getting away. The Cause they're in the routine
0: already. One of the other
1: actors on the show, the only one who had a kid, had said to me early on, "He goes, be ready for a rocky reentry." And I kind of laughed, and now I totally know what he's talking about. But I remember, I remember when I was 23, my uh, buddy of mine, Jeremy Davies, uh, he was in, a, in Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, I know that he's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah, Ger- I haven't seen Jeremy in a while, but we were very, very close. And he had a movie called The Locust that he was in that uh, Kate Capshaw was in. So we went to the premiere. Long story short, I end up sitting at a table with Steven Spielberg. And I'm sitting there, and they had already done Ryan, and I'm listening to Steven, really nice man. And he talk- He was talking about, I'm having a hard time getting back into the swing of it. And I kind of looked at him like, after all these movies you've done, it's you still, and he was like, yeah, it's still a struggle. You go off for this huge chunk of time, and you have this other family that you're basically living with, you know, your cast and crew, and then you got to come back into regular kind of life. But I just thought it was interesting. It, I get it now because I've had to do it.
0: it. It's definitely trying. It's taxing, but it's worth it. Hey, it's money. We have a few minutes left. Sure. Um, so, what what else is coming up for you? <laughs> I mean, The Criminal Minds was great, but I, I mean, that was that was good because it was uh, it was just you know. We everyone hated you, but that's a good yeah. outcome because it, like, it was fun. It, it was fun. And then I, I guess I just want to ask you real quick. What was yeah. it like with the scene with the car when you had your foot stuck on the bomb? I mean, that must have been pretty interesting. That was my first night too. Uh, well, first of all, this, it was a director by the name of Larry Tang where
1: if you haven't heard of him, you will because he's one of the most cinematic directors. Let me know if we're, if we're getting close. Uh, it's one of the most cinematic directors I've, I've ever worked with. Okay. Um, so that was interesting. We had a lot of... St- I was coming from Diva where... Everything was pretty straight up where it was shoot wide shoot medium shoot small turn the cameras around do it again Where Larry had this he had the steady cam out? I mean things were moving and flying and they have money on that show I mean the opening scene with the bomb I remember I was standing. We were, on, we were on the Universal lot, and they a car pull a truck pulls up with cars on it. They pull two Priuses off and just start destroying them with with bats and stuff to make it look like an explosion had just happened. And I'm standing there going, <laughs> "Wow, you guys are pissing money away, just pissing it away." But yeah, that was that was fun. And then you know, I had to cry in the car and all that kind of stuff. And uh, oh, another another gem, Joe Montagna. Oh, I've heard, I've heard. Oh, we weren't even in the same storyline, but at one point we ended up we were at Universal together. And we just started chatting, and 45 minutes later, he's showing me pictures of his family in Italy. And he is one of the sweetest, another one of the sweetest human beings have I've you ever been to, met. Have
0: you been to his place here in Burbank? No, I drove by the other day, and it's like, and I'm, I've heard, I'm, I don't know a lot about Chicago food. But uh, oh, I love Chicago I it's good, you know, I always they always go with the hot beef. I go I grew up with cheesesteaks. Yeah. And You feel like you're cheating. You go oh, I can't get a hot beef. You know, I can get something else. Have you been to Chicago? No, you I gotta go. I know. I know Steve
1: I know I hadn't I know. been my whole life and I went up to do a mob doctor and I literally called my wife on the second day I was there and I said because we only get one little vacation a year We usually do Vegas because it's close and I'm like no 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 we're doing Chicago There's the, the list of things to eat is endless. I've heard and it's clean and here's the thing. It's a big city It's New York Oh, but am. clean and everybody's nice.
0: It's the That's, Midwest. I, I've had a lot of people from Second City on my show, and they're all amazing. And I had Mark DiCarlo who had to show up there, and he I know, he, Mark. he yelled at me because I've never been to Chicago. Go. He's like, "What?" You never been? To sh- I said no, and I have friends, and I, I, It's just yeah, it's one of those things. I do need to get up there, and it's me and my girlfriend are talking about it. Just when the summer happens, sure. you know. But then maybe it's more of a fall. It, it's, it's either spring it's, or fall. Yeah, because like, you don't want to deal with the summer because it's it so damn hot. And I grew up with that crap. Like, yeah, I don't, don't want to deal with that stuff. I, it's just it's awful.
1: And that said, all the food they had. What did I eat for the whole time I was there? Pizza. I, it's so cliche, but it was
0: takes it forty five minutes to make a pizza. It's, I know, That's it's good. Crazy. It's amazing. So I want to thank you for coming on. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, now. Now, are you, you, what's your, do you, do you? I know you're on Twitter. Do you tweet a lot?
1: Yeah. I, I, that's a whole other story. Another time I'll tell you about Twitter for me. But, yeah, I, I try to here and there. I, I tweet when I have something to say. And what's your, what's your tweet? Oh, uh, at Lex Medlin, L-E-X-M-E-D-L-I-N. And there's also a Facebook fan page, uh, Lex Medlin Actor. You can go to that. And that is me. I respond to everything there. The the folks that have already been playing with me on that will, will attest to the fact that I, inter- I interact as much as I can. And if you post something on the page, I will do my best to... Uh, Respond and uh, answer any questions you have
0: great. Well, I thank you for coming on. Thanks, Steve. Good to follow him People follow me uh, at Cooper talk at Twitter. That's at Cooper talk at Twitter also go to my website Cooper I have a uh, I think I am posting uh, episode 355 up there today wow. So there's a bunch there and you can email me there uh, Cooper Cooper coopertalk.net. Also iTunes stitcher all that stuff. Just type in one word search Cooper talking and get me on them um, oh yeah and my big my big cause right now go to my new website stopthesalt.com stopthesalt.com so you know when I got out of the hospital I had to change my diet completely it's a cookbook 120 recipes they're all low sodium they're easy to make I was on a, a radio show yesterday about, about divorce and I say if you're divorced and you have to start to learn how to cook get this book go to stopthesalt.com and I'll leave an autograph for you if you want or if you want to you can go to Barnes & Noble online or Amazon to buy it but I make more money if you go to stopthesalt.com so that do that. And uh well, we, we record Tuesday, so tonight today is Wednesday when you hear this. Tonight I will be at the I.O. West uh storytelling competition, 8 30 in the loft. Come on out to that. It's a great competition, some other great acts in there, and it'll be a fun time. So follow at Lex Medlin. Follow at Lex Medlin. Also follow at Cooper Talk. Go to Coopertalk.net, stoptheSalt.com. Remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, be careful this weekend, and check me in next time. Go Broncos.